Greetings, friends, and welcome back to The Encouraging Word. It's uh, been a few weeks since we've been with you on a, a bit of a hiatus here as uh, Stephen and I and our families have enjoyed some traveling and uh, some time away, and we're anxious to get back and uh, reconnect with you all and, and bring you a new series as uh, we round the, the uh, corner into the closing of the summer. It's amazing how quickly it goes by. It's a product of being busy i suppose i don't know yeah Yeah. it's also a little sad that it's going by so quickly but but in paul's um case though he sweats real easily so it won't (laughs) be as won't be as hot for or (laughs) the whole year feels like summer to me because my body is already always insisting that (laughs) it's 90 degrees out even when it's 10 but uh steven's wife is a teacher so the summer months are especially precious because they get more family time so all the more reason to dread the end of it um but uh thus is life uh, well, we're, we're back together with you, and, and we thought uh, it was high time we got back into some uh, biblical content and uh, did a deep dive into some scripture. So for the next few weeks, we're going to be uh, breaking down a, a, a single book of the Bible, and that book is First John. I know this is a personal favorite of uh, Stephen, so I'm, I'm just going to lean on him to bring the most uh, revolutionary insights. And I'll do, just you, kinda... do you not like the book First John? Well, you know, portions of the Bible are just, (laughs) yeah, there's really no good answer. I was going to say something sarcastic, and I knew I would regret it. Uh, No, I love every single word of of, uh, God's holy scriptures, Stephen. And this book is no exception. Right. Uh, but uh, before we can we can do that, we have our uh, fit segment to uh, mm-hmm. to stop in for and uh, things that have been and we have a couple of weeks of material to work with, Stephen. So it's right. a funny, interesting, thought provoking, and um, let, let's let you take it away. What's your yeah? So um, yeah, I have several stories. Some I'm going to share. Kind of have a really good one that I'll share later. So make sure you guys continue to tune in. Because I got a good one. <laughs> After the commercial <laughs> break? <or what? laughs> right. Do you want them to actually stick around for another month stick or Stick around for, yeah, okay. for our, our next podcast. I'm going to save it. But um, I think my fit section segment, fit moment, whatever it is. <laughs> Pick one. Um, it's gonna, just going to be my parents coming down. Um, I guess that, is that funny, thought-provoking, or interesting? <laughs> I guess <laughs> my parents coming down, we had fun and had thought-provoking conversations. Anyways, yeah, um, my parents, they come down usually once and once a year in the summer. Um, we try to make another trip down either for Christmas, Thanksgiving, or some other holiday, but it's always great having them up here. Um, the grandkids love it, having their grandparents here and... Um, so it's a lot of fun having them up here. We do a lot of fun stuff like going to Memphis Kitty Park and going. We took a trip um, up to the East Coast, New Jersey, to see my dad's mom and my grandma. Um, Are those one and the same or two yeah. different people? One. Well, it's one and the same. My grandma okay. is my dad's mom. Uh, okay. So yeah. that would be strange. <laughs> Yeah. Sorry, continue. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty complicated there. Complicated. So I'll show you the genealogy later. Oh, um, yeah. Can't wait. <laughs> yeah. We keep our family genealogy. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, so having them up here was has been a blast. And um, they left last week. So i um, looking for the next time they can come back up. And, uh, yeah. So, Pauls, what's your fit section? They're uh, from the great city of Kansas City, right? Yeah, they're from okay. Kansas City. Okay. All right. I did. I guess I kind of grew up in. I lived, used to live in Bloomington, Illinois, then I lived in Kansas City. So, yep. So, my. Uh, my have you f- been to Kansas City? I have not been to Kansas oh, okay. City. Yeah. It's but pretty if, hot down there, so you might sweat. I would, <laughs> I would probably <laughs> not 
not enjoy that <laughs> aspect. But I would have a nice uh, place I could call up your parents there and you ask go. if I could crash at their place. And, yep. and I could use, I don't know if they have AC or a nice box fan, I could blow on me the whole time. Yeah, they have AC. It's always good to know people, you know, right. as you travel. My, my fit for this week is um, family-related as well, but ironically, <laughs> it's kind of the opposite extreme. My, uh, my, f- my entire family, uh, my wife and, and three kids, all are at uh, a, a summer camp this week. And uh, so, you know, Stephen couldn't decide whether it was funny, interesting, or thought-provoking to have his parents in town. And I can't really decide which one it is to have my family <laughs> out of town. Um, I would say maybe interesting because uh, yeah. I, I recognized that in my entire adult life, I really don't know that I've spent more than a couple hours um, without being in the company of somebody for something. Mm-hmm. And um, so, of course, I, I miss my family terribly, but... Um, it's been a, an odd feeling, and uh, it's sometimes uh, very enjoyable, and other times I realize how much I count on having them around. But mm-hmm. uh, to have have uh, days and nights pass without anybody else in the house, so I know that there are folks, uh, you know, listeners that we have that that's their that's their daily norm, and, and for them it would be odd to experience the other extreme. So. Um, doesn't seem like a revolutionary concept, but to me, just because of my experience and and uh, how things have been for me, it, it is. And and so I've been, uh, you know, just uh, trying to figure out what to do with myself and uh, crying, crying get, yourself to sleep, right? crying myself to sleep every night. Yeah, it's it's been miserable, <laughs> but uh, no, it's it's been um, it's been unique and uh, trying to fill every moment very intentionally with either something that I wouldn't normally uh make my family accompany me in in doing or or something i can accomplish that i maybe wouldn't get done quite as quickly if they were there so uh, they'll be back next week and we'll get back into the groove and uh school's right around the corner so um plug your ears kitties i i forgot to warn you but that's that's the reality (laughs) (laughs) so uh first john first john steven we we thought that maybe uh the best approach would be to read um we're going to cover a couple of chapters today is our goal. Uh, read each of those chapters in their entirety and then uh, take some time to just uh, do a, a deep dive and uh, share some insights and, and some questions. Uh, I think we'll have a lot of, of answers, but just as many questions as Stephen and I try and discern what's going on in this book. But you want uh, to go ahead and read that for us? Yeah, so I'll read it. Um, yep, we're going to do John chapters 1 through... One and two. So, um, do you want me to just read both chapters here? Um, and you can we could do that, but it might be a while till we get to two and might oh, forget right, everything right, about right, it by right, the time we... I'll do one. Okay. And then, all right, so John chapter one is, um, if you have a Bible with you, I really encourage you to get it out. Um, or if you have a phone app, the Bible app, um, be great to do it along with us. So John chapter 1, or John, 1 John chapter 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testified to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you that we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy joy complete. This is the message we have heard from Him and declare to you. God is light. In Him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with Him, yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. All right, thank you, Stephen. Um, so that's the first chapter of First John, and I uh, wanted to give you give you a taste of where we were going, and then share some uh, some some big picture information about this uh, text about the book of First John. 
uh, and then we'll start getting getting into the details. So um, the the author of First uh, John is John. Um, so you know, figure we start with the high level radical. high level content. <laughs> the author First John is John, but there are a lot of Johns. You know, yeah, so it's, uh, just to, in the interest of clarifying, this is John, the apostle of Jesus Christ, right, uh, one of the twelve disciples. Um, one of the members of essentially the inner circle of Jesus's disciples that uh, Jesus made sure were included in a great deal more than um, some of the other of the twelve were included in. And uh, John writes this uh, around about 85 to 90 AD. So um, just to put this in its context, uh, Jesus's ministry was uh, towards the end of the uh, 20s and, and uh, around 30 AD, and, and that's when uh, he left this world and went back to be with the Father. So we're, we're talking a, a span of 55 to 60 years uh, since Jesus's uh, departure when John writes this. And um, the intention for John at this point is, is to reassure uh, followers of Christ in their faith. And at the same time, he's responding to some false teachings uh, that have worked their way into the early church. Now, uh, 50 years past uh, Jesus' departure, and, and a lot has happened in that short period of time. One of those things is that some false uh, teachings have worked their way in. Um, and, and as opposed to a lot of uh, Paul's epistles that are named after the churches that uh, were recipients of uh, those letters, uh, John writes this as in, in letter form, but it's not intended for any one church. Um, it's, it was distributed to a number of, of uh, different churches uh, in his uh, surrounding area. So John would have been, if we, we try and do the math here, even if John you know, was um, fairly young as a disciple of Christ. First of all, you know, I, I'm kind of yeah. processing this as I speak here, but John, um, we, we can connect the dots here and, and know that John was not uh, especially old when he was uh, no. called as a disciple of Christ because uh, 60 years right. perhaps has passed, so, and people generally didn't live uh, nearly as long back then. So, um, right. you know, we, we know John likely was not more than in his 20s or 30s, and even that might be a stretch uh, right. when he was a follower of Christ during his right. ministry. Uh, but he's much older here, and I uh, he sent this letter out uh, for the reasons I mentioned. Um, he hadn't yet been banished to the Isle of Patmos. Uh, John famously, um, I don't know if you encountered this, Stephen, but was maybe the only of the 12 disciples not yeah. known to have been martyred uh, for right. his faith. Doesn't mean he didn't deal right. with uh, persecution. And ultimately, he was exiled. Uh, because of sharing his beliefs. You uh, just ruined the end of The Chosen for me. Thanks. Oh, sorry, <laughs> sorry about that. Were you, uh, was, yeah. was there a cliffhanger right, in, in that the series? Chosen, yeah, I wasn't sure what was going to happen to what John. What was going to happen to John? He was uh, my favorite person yeah, so, in The Chosen. So. Sorry about that. I guess I just assumed that you know you knew a little bit about the uh, the Bible yeah. and John and stuff, and it, it wouldn't be a <laughs> it wouldn't be a shocker to you. For our listeners, you don't know The Chosen is uh, uh, kind of like a television show of Jesus and his apostles, and actually I really recommend it mm -hmm. if anyone hasn't seen it. So absolutely, the the Rivermen and the uh, Lift group right. are are working their way through it right, right. now, and um, will continue to do so. So. Uh, so that's uh, the gist of what's going on here. Um, he was writing from Ephesus, which was a, a city, I think a Greek, a Greek city, if I'm mm -hmm. uh, correct. And uh, this is a whole new generation of believers than those who were the initial followers mm -hmm. of Christ uh, after, like in the book of Acts, after Jesus had initially left them. And he's trying to give them confidence in the face of, of uh, what's going on here. I tried to think of a, a good comparison. You know, John is uh, a generation older than a lot of the recipients, a lot of these new followers of Christ. I thought maybe it'd be like somebody um, tried to do the math. You know, back about 60 years for us would be the 60s, so it might be somebody that was at like Woodstock that's you know uh, <laughs> writing an article and blasting it out to all the young people today to say mm -hmm. this is what it was like or or maybe uh, you know one of the astronauts that walked on the there moon you know. sharing that yeah. experience so it, I think it's interesting to look at it through that lens to know that this is kind of what uh, John's situation was 
uh, Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem, had been destroyed in 70 AD, which is something that Jesus prophesied. So Christians were scattered all around the Roman Empire, uh, as were, were Jews at the time. And, um, and uh, over the course of time, maybe because they were, some of them were separated from each other and different teachings made their way in, a lot of Jesus' followers had become apathetic in their faith or commitment, believe it or not, <laughs> you know, we're living 2,000 years after Christ, and, and mm -hmm. uh, they were only 50 years after Christ, but they, they were still experiencing uh, like a, a kind of a lack of commitment or, or a wane in their dedication to their faith. Uh, starting to make compromises in how they lived out their faith um, and dealing with these false teachers at the same time. So a lot of things I think we can learn from um, in our context today, really, some similarities uh, as we try and work through our own struggles. But uh, that's an overall summary of where we're going with this. Um, I guess the last thing I'll say, one uh, concept in particular that was being spread, this false teaching that was being spread, was that uh, Jesus wasn't, in fact, the incarnate uh, Son of God. He was not... Uh, he was not God in human flesh. Uh, he was something less than that. So this is something you'll see in the text that John tries to address uh, very clearly. So anything I left out that uh, you would add to that, Stephen, overall? Uh, in terms of intro stuff? Yeah, intro stuff. It no, I think that was a good summary. And obviously, John also wrote um, Second John and Third John. So um, John was pretty active. And also uh, Revelations as well. Yeah. So yeah. John was really active was busy. in writing, writing letters. Yeah. Busy guy. At Although the, I looked at what second, third John, he probably right. he probably wrote, you know, while he was eating a turkey <laughs> or something like there, one paragraph long. So <laughs> right. almost yeah. not worth the cost right. of postage right. to send them. Exactly. But <laughs> but it was worth being in the word of God though, so you know right. it was, yes. it was worth something. Look at the bright side. Right. Yeah. Um but yeah, John was very um active here in in the end of his life and and i like what paul has said and think about um the church going into a new generation and kind of setting them up um with the gospel and the teachings of christ and um but yeah um i think um, what john has written here is first john is definitely one of my uh, favorite books and it's actually a book too that um if someone is a new believer um, one that i kind of recommend um one of the first books that i recommend for someone to read so Hmm. Um, but yeah, so let's jump into, so what Paul and I are going to do is kind of, we're going to break this passage down, um, and we're not going to do, <laughs> both of us, <laughs> both, both of us have gone to seminary and studied scripture and, um, and get paid to teach scripture, I guess, so we're kind of, um, don't want to make it too seminary, too... Um, how should I put it? Yeah, we, we're too uh, intellectual. Yeah, right? too intellectual. Like, yeah. Um, but we do want to make it so, like, we did a series on Bible study, um, actually. So if you want to check that out in the archives, you can go back to that. But um, we do think it's good, though, that for, especially I think it's good for Christians to go back into the Word, that when you're doing your own personal study, don't just race through it mm -hmm. and not to see the Bible as... I think too often as Christians we see the Bible as kind of like a fortune cookie kind of approach where it means that we just cherry pick verses out of context, read it real quick, and then we go on our day. Um, something I'm definitely guilty of doing, mm -hmm. but doing this study for me has really reinforced the, the really overwhelming benefit of going slowly through the scriptures and really picking out um, themes, words, repeated words, um, topics, um, doing cross-references and all that good stuff. It really helps you um, internalize um, the Word of God. So anyway, so what we're going to do, we're going to break it into sections, and I'm going to, um, we'll both speak of the same sections, but first one we'll look at is verses 1 through 4. Um, it's the first section we're going to look at, and um, and I'll say like this, uh, verses 1 through 4, I was telling Paul this um, the other day that this is perhaps one of my favorite paragraphs in the Bible. <laughs> Actually, I, I just love verses 1 through 4. Um, it's such a, and after Paul said, uh, thinking about the next generation, you can really see 
um, John doing that in this um, these couple verses really reinforcing Jesus Christ um, who he is that he was real that he was alive that Jesus um, was not something that they imagined or made up or dreamed about that their encounter with Jesus was real was physical that he's really historical that he was alive because you're starting to get near the end of the church you're starting to get people who um, never saw Jesus um, kind of like we are now mm-hmm. but at least they have people that could speak to like John who saw Jesus but now um, but they're becoming kind of like us like we haven't seen Jesus we don't know anyone who has seen Jesus um, physically alive here on earth um, and, and this isn't that next generation that was um, going to have that have that kind of the same things that we have that not seeing Christ physically um, so in, in this first verse so there's a couple of things I want to point out um, it's very it has a lot of sensory words in there which is one of the things I love about it uh, it says um, the word um, seen um, so even looking at verse 1 it says um, that which we have fr- that which was from the beginning we have heard we have seen with our eyes in which we have looked at and our hands have touched mm-hmm. so even in that um, that very first verse we have <laughs> with three senses so we have touch um, hearing sight um, they didn't say how Jesus smelled which <laughs> <laughs> I thought about that we have smelled him <laughs> yes yes and we come to bear witness right? to his odor <laughs> we have, yeah yeah we have come to bear witness maybe yeah. that was in the the cliff note exactly right yeah. they might yeah he didn't want to put that in there um but yeah so i but those like the sight the touch the hearing those things i mean you can't deny reality whenever for example as we do this podcast i can touch and see the desk in which we're recording at maybe you can't but we can that i mean it's real and that that reality is the same reality that john is for enforcing to the readers like hey like I've touched him, I've seen him, I've heard him. He is as real as anything else. Like, mm. there's no denying his existence. There's no denying um, that that which was from the beginning, which he's echoing Genesis, which is just amazing in itself. But he's echoing Genesis, saying that the one that was at the beginning became flesh and bone, like, which is just mind-blowing. And, he, and he's like, I, I know this to be real. Um, and he does this throughout that first verse. So he says, seen it again. He says, appeared to us. Um, so he's the things that hint towards sight, he says at least six times, either it's seen it or appeared or we saw it. So these, these references to sight and seeing Jesus is, um, there's at least six references in that first verse. Um, alone. So that was one big takeaway that I got out of those first four verses. And ultimately, I think what he's trying to do is establish his authority to speak right, as right. a as a witness of uh, Jesus Christ and his life. And uh, for all we know, he may have been the only uh, the only right. person, only known individual that was still around that could speak um, right. to having walked and talked with right. Jesus and such. Um, which I think is is powerful. Um, you know, we, we consider those things in our society nowadays when we see when we hear things about like the last uh, uh, veteran of the Civil War passes right. away, or right. you know, like I was sharing witnesses to events mm-hmm. like uh, the Walking on the Moon or Woodstock or, or World War Two. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. We're, yeah. we're almost uh, nearing that point right. as well. Yeah. And this is um, <laughs> you know this is take those events, those concepts, yeah. and multiply them times a billion. And this is uh, the last known person, maybe. Uh, we don't know that, but certainly one of a uh, few and in the minority in that he had spent time with Jesus. So you would think his uh, testimony, his words would hold a lot of weight with the church and especially with the younger generations. Um, I wondered if this reference to having touched uh, Jesus couldn't have been maybe an allusion 
because uh, he's he's speaking interestingly here in in the the third person or the uh, first person plural. He's, right. talking, he's saying right. we, right? And by we, I can only presume he means um, the his fellow apostles right. or uh, maybe the church as a whole. But I, I thought maybe the we might include Thomas and in referencing how Thomas had touched uh, Jesus and right. the holes in his hands uh, once right. he was resurrected. Um, you know, I don't want to say that that's definitely what's going on here, but right. all of this to establish uh, his credibility as a witness to the life of Jesus Christ. And uh, in, in doing all of that or establishing that, then his, his phrase is, um, you know, we are uh, equipped and, and uh, qualified now to proclaim to you the truth. Right. You know, having said all of that, guess what? What I'm about to say uh, is, should hold some weight for you. And I think he's absolutely right. And, uh, and that is the foundation upon which he builds uh, the entire text of First of John. And he goes on specifically to, to talk about the incarnation and, and establish that Jesus truly was the Son of God and uh, what it looks like right. to follow him. And um, the purpose being, uh, I think this is key, always, we always have to, to ask our question, you know, why? Why is he, uh, we, once we've established the truth, what does that really mean for us? What is the ultimate mm -hmm. goal in all of this? In verse 3, he says, we, we proclaim to you everything we've seen and heard so that, mm -hmm. so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Uh, so the purpose of embracing the truth of everything he's saying is that it, uh, is, it makes us uh, qualified to be in fellowship with one another and directly with our Creator and, and our Lord and our Savior. And all of this... Um, he says in in verse four to make their joy complete. So the joy of um, being this uh, connecting piece for John to to help other people establish fellowship with God and and with each other is uh, is enough to make his joy complete. And he'll use a phrase similar to that later in the passage. But what does it mean to make his joy complete? You know, what a, a joy that's complete is a joy that can be added to. It's it is a full experience of joy. It's as good as it gets. And uh, so John is just living at this point. You know, I picture this this old, you know, I, I, I don't mean this disparagingly, but I think it helps <laughs> when I, I can create this image in my head, this old wrinkly guy who's, you know, maybe can't see, can't walk, can't do anything, uh, but have somebody else write down his words for him. And he is, he is living solely on the joy of being able to bring people uh, into the, the knowledge and faith of Jesus Christ. That is his true and only source of joy uh, in this. And, and so uh, his life is poured into this text. And once again, all the more reason for us to pay close attention to where he's going with this. Yeah, and I was going to say real quickly too, Kind of bouncing off of that is that <coughs> the translators also say, so I've been using a study Bible too as we've gone through this, but that I like that you point out our, um, this will make our joy complete. They've also said it could be translated make your joy complete. Mm -hmm. So they're saying it could be like a our joy and your joy complete. Um, cause some of the early trans translations also say your joy complete, which we also line up <coughs> with what First Peter says. First um, Peter chapter one verse eight, when it says that um, we, when we experience salvation, we have an inexpressible and glorious joy. Um, and again, I think I like that Paul pointed that out because a lot of times we don't speak about the joy of salvation, and that as Christians we should be joyous, joyous people. Um, and also too, um, as Paul pointed out, the we, and I think that collective we, there's we, us, and our, our. Um, that are said a lot in this paragraph. And I think that's also important so that Paul's not saying, like, I'm the one who saw it. He said, we. It was a collective. It's much more powerful when many people see and experience the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, if it was just John just saying, oh, I did this, then it can easily write it off like, well, you had an illusion and maybe you were dreaming or whatever. But he says, we all saw this and we all experienced it and that you can join in with us. Um, this this huge collective. There's not one I in the whole paragraph. You know, it's all about we and us and fellowship with Jesus together. Um, so um, that's just really important to establish it as well. So 
Yeah, that's that's huge. It's almost pointing to the whole body of work of all of the uh, all of his fellow apostles yeah. who walked with Christ, even if they maybe weren't even there to attest to it anymore. Guess what? Right. You know, I may be the one writing this letter right now, but it wasn't just me. It was this whole uh, right. group of people who, once they experienced this, committed their lives to sharing the truth right. about it. Um, and as we roll into the next few verses here, verses five through seven, start seeing this. Uh, this metaphor of, of light and darkness brought in, and this is going to be a theme in, in First John, are these contrasting uh, terms to describe God versus the world or worldliness. Yeah. And um, you know, I think what we haven't pointed out yet is that there's a huge uh, connection, a lot of overlap between First John 1 and John 1. Um, right. And if you're familiar with John 1, you can flip back there if you got your Bible in front of you. But you know, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was God. Um, you know, we hear some of the same terms um, right here in First John one, and Jesus is still being described as the Word, and uh, this concept that He has been there from the beginning. Once again, to reinforce His uh, divine nature, the incarnation. Jesus is the Son of God, no question about it. Guess what? He's been around from the beginning. He was part of creation. John was trying to make this point in John one. Now he's trying to repeat it again in First John one which maybe he's writing like 20, 30 years later, you know, guess what? In case you didn't read my first book, my second book is going to start the same way. And then he goes into the light and darkness thing, which was also John 1. So he's yeah. bringing a lot of these same um, concepts that he used in, in John 1. Uh, light and darkness, he uses to, to talk about um, God being the, the light and uh, the world being the darkness. And, and um, I think... You know, we can quickly write it off as a as a kind of a cutesy little metaphor and and uh, see it on surface level. But I, I kind of enjoy stepping back and trying to kind of mold it, shape it into different things in my head. And you know, the the idea that um, you know darkness is going to be darkness until the light is allowed to enter in. It is light uh, that chases away darkness. Darkness doesn't go away on its own. You have to have light, and once the light infiltrates the darkness, the darkness is is not allowed to creep back in. As long as you're seeking the light, staying close to the light, you don't have to worry about darkness. So These are just a few examples of some different ways we can uh, peel back kind of the onion and see different layers of uh, meaning within even this simple metaphor of, of light and darkness that John turns to in verses 5 through 7 here. Right. And that light, as, as Paul's talking about the light metaphor, um, also has precedent throughout Scripture. It does go back to John, as uh, Paul's referenced, John chapter 1, verse 5. Um, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Um, but also light has meaning throughout Scripture. So light refers to truth, refers, refers to clarity and direction, purity and knowledge. Um, and then darkness also has a metaphor to it, as it um, as metaphors to lies, confusion, loss, stumbling. Um, those things also are kind of references to darkness. And as Paul has said, like this is a major theme throughout the whole book, um, a theme that John uses in the Gospels as well. Um, but it's also it's a theme that has just a lot of truth. It's a very this is. I love scripture for many reasons, <laughs> but one of the things I love about scripture, they use this simple metaphor to explain a really profound um, truth. I mean, this is a very profound truth that goes back to the beginning of the world um, in which God cre literally created light. So, um, but this profound truth speaks to a very spiritual um, truth that affects our lives, that, um, that he goes as far as to say that if we're not walking in the light, um, then we're, we're stumbling around, we're living a lie, in, in essence. And that if we're walking in the light, then we truly have fellowship with one another. So it, it, this, these implications have real life um, implications in how we live and how we treat people, um, mm -hmm. whether we're in the light or in the darkness. And, um, and he goes pretty far with that metaphor. So. Yeah, and I think it's cool to point out the, you know, why do you choose light and darkness and how valuable that is. It, it, I think John is doing what Jesus did during his ministry, which is when he's going to use a metaphor, when he's going to tell a story, 
when he's going to use a parable, it's, he's always going to use concepts that are familiar to everybody. So everybody's included. Everybody has equal opportunity to connect with the concept that he's putting out there, you know, because there's, there's nowhere in the world that you're going to go and, and um, use light and darkness as a metaphor. Somebody's going to look at you with a dumbfounded expression on their right. face saying, what, what are you talking about? What's this light right. and darkness? You know, right. Right. Everybody, everybody knows light and darkness. Everybody knows yeah. rocks, you know, so Jesus talks about rocks. Everybody Everybody knows, you know, planting seeds. So right. Jesus talks about planting seeds, right. um, and and John picks up that same concept. He's he's gonna meet people where they're at, and people understand these concepts, and um, so they can apply them, you know, to this much deeper right. truth of of Jesus's uh, presence in our lives. Right. And I, I think it, it's just um, it's just profound and, and simple right. all at the same time right and also real quick it goes into like every generation can understand that and every culture can understand that yeah. the light and dark and seeds and plant i mean agriculture is, is is in every culture i mean every culture has seeds and planting and watering and growth and light and darkness so this it's actually i mean that's god made it amazing <laughs> metaphor that um speaks to why scripture uh the truth of scripture applies through every generation no matter how long um, ago it was written these truths still speak today as if they were said just last week so mm -hmm. yeah it's like uh you know i i can't as much as i would like to i would like to bring in illustrations about what it's like to be a steelers fan into my <laughs> sermons all the time right but I have to use things right. that people can relate right. to, you know, and a lot of people right. just aren't there yet. Right. And, <laughs> and so I have to use things that are more common with the masses. Well, yeah, and the Steelers reference, you don't know how long, that, you know, how, how long is the NFL going to be around? Is it going to be around 2,000 years from now? Like, right, yeah. What if they use gladiator reference like, who's that gladiator guy <laughs> right. i don't know that guy so. was that a thing <laughs> yeah <laughs> right that. light yeah. and darks more yep. simple yep universally right. embraced yeah Steelers are uh, darkness <laughs> <laughs> i figured you were gonna work something in there at, at some point <laughs> yeah yeah um i'm not gonna i'm no, not gonna, gonna go lower there. myself to off air we'll go we'll go at it yeah <laughs> Uh, so in verse 8 to 10, talking about themes, you know, that come up throughout this, one of the things that jumped out at me, John comes back to over and over and over is about uh, lies and, and deception. Um, and he applies that to multiple different things. And, and to John, and, and uh, perhaps this is, well, really this hasn't changed, or at least hopefully it hasn't changed in our society, but there's, there's nothing worse than um, than living our lives as a deception or allowing ourselves to be deceived or trying to deceive other people. And so, um, you know, the, the note that I made repeatedly, and maybe this is the first uh, circumstance of it, I, I'll look closer here in verses 8 through 10, but this concept that um, to, to deny uh, the truth of God, uh, to receive it but not live it, um, or, you know, to in any way um, knowingly ignore God's presence and power in our lives is to um, accuse God of being a liar. Because if, if we truly acknowledge that God is um, all-knowing and, and good and all-powerful, and if God speaks some truth in our, into our lives and, and we turn to him and say, uh, you know, either, hey, I don't buy it, God, or, uh, you know, I don't think that applies to me, or, you know, I, don't, I just don't feel like it. Um, then we are uh, ultimately accusing God of being a liar because it's it's nonsensical. We can't look at the creator of the world who knows and can do everything and, and treat him like he's, uh, uh, you know, like he's a, a three-year-old that's asking <laughs> to be pushed on a swing, you know, and, and, and it's somehow optional. Um, you know, so I think this is a concept that comes up repeatedly is, is don't deceive yourself. Don't, you know, this is, it's, it's really black and white. John presents everything. It's very black and white here. It's, uh, this is the truth. This is the way it is. You're either in or you're out. And if you're in, um, then you're in the light and you have the full blessings of God at your disposal. Uh, life is going to be good and, uh, your joy will be complete if you're, if you're not living in the light and if any way shape or form you're dabbling in the darkness or you've rejected the light um then you know you are lying to yourself you're you're lying to god you're accusing god of lying lying to you um so it's there's not much space in between and uh, this is something I, I guess I struggle with sometimes that I don't I don't necessarily um disagree or reject this black and white 
kind of concept, but uh, I, I end up asking myself, okay, for the, uh, you know, 100% of humanity that actually falls somewhere in between, like we're all broken, we all sin, we all dabble in the darkness, even if we intend to be good and live in the light. Um, so how do we know, you know, how do we know when we've crossed the line and we're not in the, the light anymore, we're, we're in the darkness, um, how do we make sure we don't get there? You know, see, these are some of the questions that I ask myself. I, I think we need uh, the urgency and and the challenge that John puts out here. But, you know, for those of us living in the, the real world, how do we translate that and apply that to our lives is something I often struggle with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I agree with kind of what you were saying, too, about well, Paul addresses or John addresses the um, the, this, uh, top, the topic of deception. Um, so looking at that next chunk of verses of 8, 9, and 10, which this is a really um, pretty well-known verse, um, maybe the most well-known verse in First John. And it says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our, forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, um, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Um, so that, that those three verses are um, really profound and impactful verses in, in the Christian, just in the Christian walk. Um, he makes some really profound things. He says some pro profound things. Um, to start off in verse 8, he says, if we claim to be without sin. So in other words, um, we're all sinners. So if we claim that we're not a sinner, we deceive ourselves. <laughs> if you claim that you haven't sinned, um, you're just deceiving yourself. And and not just, I think many people would admit that they're not perfect, but not many people would admit that they're, um, as scripture would say, like you're, you're a sinner who can't save themselves. So most people believe like I'm basically good. Yeah, I've done some wrong things, but the scripture says, you're not basically good. You're a sinner. Um, that without Christ, um, you can't be in. You, without forgiveness of your sins, you can't be in fellowship with Christ. Whether how basically good you are doesn't matter. Um, which is just a high bar, right? It's a high bar that no human being can meet, and that's why we kind of say we're basically good because we can't live with the reality that we're not as good as we truly are. Um, and John says that, you know, if you claim to be without sin, you just deceive yourselves and the truth is not in you. In other words, that you don't understand the truth of the gospel, the truth that reveals our sin. Um, and then nine is kind of saying that if you do recognize that you're a sinner and you recognize that you sin, he says, we confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Um, I think it's interesting that Jesus both forgives sins and purifies the sinner. So. Um, one thing that's important is that, um, say you're struggling with some sort of addiction, you just don't give rid of the addiction, you have to replace it with something else. Mm. So Jesus says that he doesn't just, just forgive us, but he also purifies us. So the thing that was causing the sin um, gets purified. So if our, our mind and our thoughts, our body needs to be purified, we need to be made new, we need to be washed. Um, and this is important too because... Um, the forgiveness doesn't just fix us. It's the purification as well, working together. Um, and then look at verse 10, if we claim to have not sinned. So in other words, um, Jesus says all have sinned. So all are sinners and all have sinned. Um, and I like to tell the confirmation kids um, that we sin. Uh, we're sinners not just because we sin. Um, how does it go? We sin because we're sinners. So... Um, when we sin, it's because of the condition in which we are. Mm -hmm. So we're not sinners because we have sinned. We sin because we're sinners. So it's a little wordplay there. Like if you if you uh, you know if you have a cold, you're gonna have a runny nose. I, right. know, I mean, right. I'm trying to break it down. Right. So if you have a runny nose, it's not just because you have a runny nose. It's because you have a cold. Right. Or if exactly. you're coughing, it's not just because right. you like to cough. It's because right. you have a sick. You, right. you have a virus. Right. You have a, above right. it's a condition exactly uh, and you're you're um you're displaying that through you know those symptoms exactly so, you're yeah. exactly so yeah when you're sinning you're just you're acting out on the condition you already are so mm. say i stole paul's phone it doesn't after i stole his phone that doesn't make me a sinner i was already it a does. sinner 
before I stole his phone, which I would never steal Paul's phone. Yeah, but you would be a, <laughs> a bigger sinner if you took my phone. Right. Yeah. Maybe I'll take your phone and change the background to change it from the Steelers background to something <laughs> else. <laughs> I honestly can't remember what my background is. Oh, oh, yeah, shit. that's right. Yeah. <laughs> background. It's not Steelers, no. but it's it's pure silliness. Right. Uh, but uh, when you were talking there about uh, I thought that was fantastic. It's not just about um, – removing the sin it's about purifying ourselves and you're describing baptism to to a t like it's yeah. it's uh repent and this is this was uh speaking of john's john the baptist right repent and um right. you know repent of your sins and be baptized into um jesus christ so you know it's not just churning from our sin it's then plunging ourselves into the the cleansing power of exactly. of jesus and his righteousness and right. um you know so it isn't that the it, it's uh it's deep and theological but it's also very practical like if i'm trying to get rid of a bad habit in my life if i'm trying to stop doing something uh how much more meaningful is it and easier to, to accomplish that if i replace it with something good right. and the the great you know biggest uh, um, way to to understand and experience that is is in our faith like if we really want to um if we really want to cleanse ourselves of all the yucky stuff and the stuff that we know we shouldn't be doing or thinking or feeling it's not just a matter of saying, you know, cold turkey, I'm going to stop doing that. I'm going to stop having those feelings and those thoughts. No, it's replacing um, the, the source from which those are coming from within our hearts now, Jesus Christ, and the Spirit working in our lives each and every day because we're in the Word, because we're praying, we're in relationship with Jesus. There's nothing that cold that was producing the snot back in the day is, is replaced uh, by healthy um what would healthy uh, a healthy bug? <laughs> so that's an oxymoron, right? Isn't it? Or no. just I mean, scripture goes as far as to say that you get a whole new body that doesn't there even you get go. sick. Yeah, new mind, no, a new right. body. Exactly. Yes, yeah. Um, so I, I think uh, that's that's so uh, so key. And and the, you know, speaking of key, the 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 um, central point of all of this here. Uh, it seems to be the key to all of it to, to our success is our, our reaction to sin. Um, and uh, at least this is, John has to establish this first before he can go anywhere else with his message. Is it starts with recognizing that we are sinners. In other words, we are in need. We are uh, lacking in some way. Our, our, um, our souls, our minds, our bodies are, are corrupted. And um, that means that we are in need of an outside source of, of rescue and uh, remedy. And what do we do with that? Well, so, you know, many different responses. Some people will, um, some people will deny it. Some people will say, "Well, I don't. I, I'm fine. I'm doing everything I need to do as long as I'm making myself happy and, you know, being kind, respectful to the people around me. Then I have nothing to confess. I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm living my life, right. and that's kind of the secular worldview. Some people will go the opposite extreme, and they will get so down on themselves." Um, and think that they're worthless and they'll, they'll lose sight of that image of God that resides within them. Um, and, uh, and then that healthy medium is seeing our need and acknowledging it and then turning to God to, to help us. Um, and from what I read, the historical context here is this is what some of that false teaching uh, that was working its way into the church is some of the people were sitting there saying, well, um, you know, if we're, if we're going to sin, if we're kind of stuck in this sin thing as part of life, then uh, we might as well have fun, right? <laughs> really live it up because God's grace, thanks to we're only 50 years removed from Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. So, you know, this, this fairly new concept of God's abundant grace showering down upon us from the cross all of a sudden, wow, you know, we lived all those centuries um, in the darkness of being buried by our sin and no grace and, and no mercy, and all of a sudden Jesus died for us, so we're free, right? We can start living however we want, and this is what some of the false teachers were teaching. The other extreme was just, as I said, some people were uh, were scourging themselves and, and just attacking themselves and feeling so helpless and down on themselves for their sin. And so I, I think John is addressing 
um, if we you know put ourselves in the historical context and recognize that this is exactly what he's speaking to with some of these uh, people that were trying to pull people in the wrong directions with these teachings um, but all of it still applies to us today uh, especially uh, nowadays you know even in the church there's a lot of folks who will deny that that sin is a thing and um, you know it makes me wonder what what do you need Jesus for? What's what's the draw to the church or to the faith? If if you're not broken, um, you know what are you what are you going to the doctor for? So it's so important as a church, as individuals, that we acknowledge and cling to this concept that we are sinners and we need to have a healthy response to that reality in our lives. And what good news too to have if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify. I mean, that's just such wonderful. Good news. It's it's uh, it's one. That's why it's a verse that's often quoted, and uh, one of the one of the more well-known verses in First John because it's such great news, great news for us. But also reminds us that in order to be forgiven like this, Christ had to die. That's why it says He's faithful and just. That mm. that justice was served on the cross by Christ um, in His death um, to offer us this forgiveness. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's a wrap on chapter one. So that only took us uh, an hour. So you're ready to. Uh, chapter two is about four times as long. So shall we dive in, Stephen, or maybe maybe we uh, underestimated the right. the fun we were going to have today. So we'll come back for chapter two, I think, next time. Right. Yeah. Um, and uh, and just continue to break break down. We're just laying the foundation here. John's about to go berserk and really <laughs> right. really uh, right. show us something here. Right. And Stephen, are you done with your cookie over there? Oh no, I'm not done with it yet. It's uh, <laughs> I'm just trying to take a little bit out of time. Really savoring my cookie. Yeah. So a little bit out of time. Well, I noticed when you know at the beginning of the chapter when you're talking about how the senses come into play <laughs> and, and seeing and and touching and hearing and at the same time you were not right. on your cookie. I was right. like, he's yeah. just trying to get into the right. into the vibe. Yeah, yeah, it's uh it's a great chocolate chip cookie. It does look fantastic. Um, I'm sure you have one set aside for me. Oh yeah. Yeah, we do. I'll get it to you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I I have no doubt that you will. No. But yeah, thanks everyone for um, hopefully these um, this first John study will be a benefit and um, for your faith and for Bible study and as you walk with us through it. I know it's already been a huge for me to go back through First John um, and to read through um, just an incredible book. And again, like. I mean, I've, I know the whole book, <laughs> so I know chapters three and four just have to do so much with God's love and His mm. um, Jesus' sacrifice, and it's just it's just a wonderful, wonderful book um, that really, in essence, kind of lays out the whole Christian faith and what does it mean to walk with Jesus. Um, so really excited um, for everyone who's going to join us with this on this journey, and um, we're also excited about just this new. I guess it's kind of a new season of podcasts. Um, Paul and I sat down and we ran through a list of different podcast series ideas and pretty excited about some of them and um, some of them are going to be really great. So continue to tune in, continue to um, check the feeds. Oh, we're also on, oh, we forgot to mention this, we're also on iTunes yeah. now. So that's... Uh, yeah, it's like we reached the big time. Huh? I know. It's like we <laughs> we've we've finally have arrived. We know what we're doing. Right. In fact, it, thanks to Jeff Palaya, actually, right. he was the one that yeah. <laughs> made it happen. Yeah, exactly. I, just out of the blue, he sends us an email. <laughs> right. Look, you guys are on iTunes. So yeah. thank you, Jeff. Yeah. Yeah, you can find us on iTunes. Yeah. So, so you, that, that feels so cool. Say so you can find us on iTunes. Go to um, Encouraging Word Podcast, um, and you can find us on iTunes. Rate us and review us. Right. Is that what you're supposed to say? As long as you... Oh, is that what you're supposed to say at <laughs> yeah, the end? Yeah, that's what you're supposed to say. Oh, great. Then. Somebody's going to listen. Now they're going to take <laughs> away our iTunes <laughs> license because right. we don't know how to be professional. They're going to rate us really low. Um, <laughs> anyways, but yeah. So um, hopefully we can also see everyone on Sundays as well as we're back to our normal service times. And uh, yeah. So we'll talk to everyone again soon. Have a great week. <laughs>